Again, podcast. I'm your host, Melanie Charles. And I'm your co-host, Uni Mojica, aka Uni Mo. <laughs> hey. Yeah. I like that, aka. I didn't give him, oh, aka D oh, yeah. Flower over here. Yes, exactly. You gotta get the AKAs. <laughs> you know Let's go. <laughs> um, so today we have a different format, right? Uni, where are you beaming in from? Yes, I'm beaming in from Brooklyn, New York. Ooh. I see you. what you got there. Who's that? Freddie? You representing Freddie in the back? Oh, this is actually J- Jackie McLean, one of my favorite albums, uh, Let Freedom Ring. Oh, Let Freedom Ring. Off the Blue Note record label. Mm-hmm. And where are you right. coming from? I'm beaming in from beautiful, beautiful San Jose, California. Um, I'm on a little workcation. So a mystery secret location. Ooh, yes. I know y'all have been peeping our podcast in the live format, and we've been hosting podcasts in New York City at New Blue, which was our first four episodes. And then we also came to you live at, in LA yes. at 40, 2220 Arts and Archives. So shout yes. out to the vet, that venue for holding us down yes. and giving us a platform to bring music and podcasting and the culture of the jam session there. So yeah. that was the original format, but now we're, we're looking to come to y'all in the traditional podcast platform through, yes. um, through just your hosts. So we are going to continue to have live podcasts, but we want to be able to come to y'all on a more frequent basis. And so, and get to know us too, to get to know. I think a a big thing is that we realized that uni, you and I really have interesting perspectives and opinions. And between the both of us, we've had so much experience in the jazz bam world Mm -hmm. and i think that like what we have to say people have been saying that they want to hear more of what we have to say so we've been listening to you all and we will do just that exactly and we believe that it's important to provide our perspective as women black women you know, represented in our culture, in um, in jazz music in particular, mm-hmm. and Black American music also. And our mm-hmm. voices are important and yeah. our perspectives and also the conversations that we have amongst each other, the yeah. conversations that we have amongst fellow musicians, fellow, mm-hmm. um, even, I know I wear a lot of hats, whether it's mm-hmm. from the artist's perspective and the musician's perspective, and mm-hmm. also the arts admin and management perspective. So Absolutely. between Mel and I here, between you and I, Mel, like we we are a really great link and a voice for people that don't may not have a voice, feel heard, and just creating conversations. I know that 
we've had this conversation plenty of times about Mm -hmm. how we love catching podcasts on YouTube and seeing these conversations and realizing, oh, wait, I ain't crazy for thinking this. Yeah. Yeah. And like, but also there's so many podcasts that are very elite and sort of like focused on more of like the jazz historian or like the sort of institutional voice in jazz but like Mm. when I was doing research yesterday I was like let me see who's doing like some hip like fun podcast in the jazz world and there's nobody there's not especially no people of color you know and mm-hmm. there are people who have the word jazz in the title of their podcast but it ain't really about jazz it's, it's like there's like a utah jazz basketball podcast <laughs> like the, the buzzword comes up but it's not in terms of the music and the culture that we're talking about so exactly there's a big hole there and i think we could fill that hole you mean yes we absolutely can and we want more people to that look like us to do that so we're not looking to be the only ones but we at least want to start that conversation. So definitely shout out to our last podcast guest yes. um, is Kiana Faircloth. She has yes. her own podcast called yes. Artemisy and she's yes. filling this space as well in a really dope mm-hmm. way. So she is definitely want to uplift her and we have uplifted yeah. her as well on yes. our I live episode. So if you haven't peeped yeah. that, I think it was our third episode. Mm-hmm. If you haven't peeped that, go back and go check, check it, it out, out for sure. Definitely. Did we did we put out the Harmony Holiday episode yet? Yes, we did. So I have to shout out Harmony Holiday because I believe this week she's going to be saying a poem at Abby Lincoln's birthday celebration in LA. <gasps> yes. yes. So shout oh, out to Harmony Holiday. She's an incredible. She is my writer, she's my poet. hero. Oh, I gotta say, she also has an article in the LA Times um, mm-hmm. about Sunra. Yes. That's a big one. She's also, if you're in New York and you can't catch catch her in LA right now, her um, one of her poems or stories is being featured of her Mafa book. Yes. Um, at the shed. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Hold really? on. You know what? Let me go, let me go get this book. Hold on one second. Okay. Right back. Okay. 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 Yes, yes, yes. I'm right here. Okay. Wait, so how did you get the book? I didn't get mine. She sent it to you in the mail? Yeah, she sent it to me. You know what? I'm going to reach back out to her and. and Why? She didn't send me one. All right. See, y'all are shady. You and I don't know who's more shady. You or Harmony Holiday. (laughs) And you kept it a secret for me. You got it. I forgot. Don't be. Oh. listen everybody's a phone call or a text away but them 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 poetry books went like hotcakes that day it did they were gone Ooh, yes they were gone i do also have to shout out that we do we do plan on bringing her to harlem stage for our oh, yes we have a we're going to be doing a black arts movement series examined black arts movement examined and we're going to be having lots of conversations we're going to be bringing in some some uh black scholars some people that were part of the movement we're looking to also incorporate um some young voices as well and harmony is one of those voices yes she really is well that's really beautiful thank you uni for doing that that's beautiful make sure you keep your eyes out for that Mm -hmm. 
definitely. But you know, a lot, a lot's been going on this summer. A lot mm-hmm. has been happening. Mm-hmm. Um, the festival season has been, uh, what's the word I want to use? In full force. The festival season has been in full force. I feel like, but before we go dive into festival season, because that's a very exciting time, I feel like we have to acknowledge a few of the people that we've lost in between our last episode. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Just to, you know, um, today, actually, we just found out that trumpeter Jamie Branch just passed away. I don't know if you caught that information. You I didn't. I just saw that before we went live. May she rest in peace. I don't know much detail about what happened, but I do know that she passed away in her home in Red Hook. So prayers out to Jamie Branch, her family, all her fans, all of her students, all the people that she mentored. Um, It's definitely a big loss. Mm -hmm. Um, We also lost Megan Stabile. Yes, rest in peace. Rest in peace, Megan, who, for those of you who do not know, was so instrumental in the development of sort of like the hip side of jazz as we know it today. Like she was a huge champion of Robert Glasper and Mm -hmm. that whole community, the Boston scene, the revived big band that um, is led by Igmar Thomas. Um, And she was just like a huge connector and a mover and shaker. Um, And I'm, I'm I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to share space with her and 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 work with her. So so rest in peace and and we're just uplifting the legacy of Megan Stability yeah, as well. I do have to say that you know the work that she did was inspiring. Um, it inspired a lot of young arts administrators as well, arts administrators, producers. Mm-hmm. people that want curators wants curators mm-hmm. she definitely paved the way and that respect and um uplifting needs to be there and yeah. acknowledgement for that um yeah i know so many people so many people that this just really hit home for so just want to acknowledge that i yeah. did see that i didn't really know jamie branch the trumpeter but she was very young. She passed away at 39, for those of you who did, didn't did know. Mm. But, you know, you know, there was also- Michael Bourne of WBGO. And I grew what? up listening to Michael Bourne. Also this week, we lost him. Oh my God. And then a bassist from Philly too. Oh, I didn't know about a bassist. The I vocalist saw- that I sent you her the link from yes. Philly? Yes. Does she play bass? I thought she played guitar. It was guitar. I thought. What is her, what is her name? I was not aware of this of this musician, but apparently. Yeah, shout out to Jalil Shaw. He's the one that hit me to her. Manette Sudler. Mm-hmm. She was apparently very important figure in the Philly jazz scene. So as people who are champions and supporters and trying to support women in this music, I'm going to take it upon myself to do more research on her yes. music and her legacy. But um, yeah, she was a guitarist as well. A guitarist, a guitarist right? Yes. Yeah, Monette Sudler. Mm-hmm. I was not familiar as well, but we gotta, we have to honor these people. Even if we don't know, they're part of our community. And mm-hmm. if you don't, you don't know, now you know. So, now you know. Man, yeah. 
Um, and you know, since you, we were, were segueing into the festival season, this year I performed at Summer Stage, which was really exciting for me. It was like a huge uh, full circle because it was at Summer Stage that I met my A&R at Verve um, wow. about two years ago. And at that time, I never imagined that I would have recorded Y'all Don't Really Care About Black Women for them. So that was a beautiful time, but it was bittersweet because that summer stage in New York is where we celebrated Megan's. Yes. Legacy. So you performed, you performed with Igmar Thomas and the Revive Band. Yes. That, I can see how that's so bittersweet because <sighs> was that the first time that you performed with the band live? Like that? I didn't perform no. with the band, actually. We were just on the same bill. Um, oh. So yeah, opening was was Jay Horde. Shout out to Jay Horde. I love me some Jay Horde. Oh, I love Jay Horde. Yes. You got to have him on here, by we the way. We do have to have him on here. Let's make a note of that. Yes. Yes. So guys, send us DMs if you agree that we should have Yeah, Jay reach Horde. out to us. Send us DMs. Um, yes. Mel, what's your handle? My handle is Melanie Charles is the flower. Yes. And mine is Uni Mo. So feel free to DM us about people that you want to see on our, on our, on our podcast. Yes. Um, and make sure you like, is there a bell in Spotify or Apple or whatever you got to do? Make sure you hit that button so you get notifications. Oh yeah. When we post new episodes. Exactly. Hit the like mm-hmm. button, hit, hit subscribe. Like button. Mm-hmm. I'll tell your friend, share it. Yes. Um, but yeah, like festival season has been so interesting this year because we're finally outside. Like jazz, we finally out here. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Were you able to go to any festivals this summer? Um, what did I see? What did I see live this summer? Man, my brain. I did go to the Kendrick Lamar concert. Oh, nice. I did check that out over at Barclays yes. Center. Beautiful. Uh, which was incredibly inspiring. Yeah. I heard he was like in a bubble and it was he, like. It was, it, he took over, like he had several components to his whole entire mm. concert, which is also another shout out and nod to Megan Stabile. I know she had a hand in a lot of, to, to Pimba Butterfly or she, she mm. knew a lot of the people and was very close, like Thundercat and things like that. Mm-hmm. So there is mm-hmm. that through line with mm-hmm. how Kendrick Lamar really folds in jazz into his. He's definitely a trill jazz. He's definitely dude, trill. For sure. Definitely for trill. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But his concert was amazing. He did a lot of nods to his older work. So mm-hmm. I had never seen him live. So to see him perform some of my favorite songs Mm. really hit home for me and just the overall message of his new album in general was just dope incredible absolutely incredible so super cool yeah that's cool I mean so this summer I was very lucky to have been invited to many festivals um, especially the ones that are really sort of like um pillars in the jazz community festivals like um Newport Jazz Fest, mm-hmm. which is curated um, largely by Christian McBride. Yeah. And oh, I just, yeah. Which I did, you know what? I did, um, I did work the Montclair Jazz Festival this year. You worked Montclair Jazz? Yes. Was and, it not recent? Was that one of the later yeah, ones? Yeah, that was, that was about, uh, it was beginning of August. 
Okay. So, and Christian McBride did a DJ set, which was really dope. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. So that's great. I'm so happy. Yes. Cause so when I ran into my Newport, I was like, yo, I want you to DJ for Make Jazz Chula Again podcast. Cause I was like, can you DJ? And he was like, that is so funny. He was like, I haven't DJed in so long and I'm doing, I'm doing a set at Montclair Jazz Fest. And he was like, I need to like go into my basement and just like practice DJing again. So I love to hear that you were there. How was it? It was dope. He did. He played a lot of James Brown, right? He played a lot of James Brown, but you know what? I was, it was so funny. He played, he played Payback by James Brown. And then I heard a line in Payback that is the same line in King Kunta in uh, Kendrick Lamar's verse. The same, the same delivery. And I was like, wow, this whole song is, is James Brown. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because true, because King Kunta is very funky. That is funk. Mm-hmm. It is it's oh, funk. Oh, okay. Yeah, literally. <laughs> we want the funk. Yeah, okay. it's the line that he says. It's the line that he says, I could dig rapping. It's the same exact line. Which is, I could dig rapping, but a rapper with a ghostwriter. What the fuck happened? That line right there is the same Ooh. line in Payback. I had no idea, but as soon as I heard it in the set, I was like, oh, shoot. So I went back home and I was like, I'm going to peek this out. And I like played them back to back. That's the the thing that I love so much about sample culture, replaying culture, reimagining stuff is that it always is an opportunity and a history lesson of like where these things began. And there's always surprises. So many songs we've heard over and over again that we don't even realize, wait a minute. It's like, oh, that's such and such. Mm-hmm. And you see the nod, mm-hmm. you see the respect, you see the homage, yeah. you see the lineage, you hear, you yeah. hear just the, the music continuing. Yeah. And it just makes, it just makes you like, it, I, I geek out over that stuff. Yeah. So like, yeah, when I heard sure. that, I was like, oh, I like freaked yeah. out in the moment. I'm like, who can I talk to this about? So right, I'm right. feeling this. Who but were like, you with? Could, could you talk to anybody? Anybody I was, else was him? <laughs> I was actually with Brianne Ford, who's a pianist. Oh, how is she? I love yeah, that. Yeah, she's got, shout out to her. Oh, and wow, we actually got into a really dope conversation about how, you know, um, she doesn't, I mean, not, I don't, I, well, you know what? I'm saying anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's, get, <laughs> she, let's be real. Yeah, let's be real here. She was not, she's not a fan of Kendrick Lamar. Mm. And she was like, oh, don't judge me. Don't judge me. I'm like, I'm not judging you. Like, I want to, I just want to know, like, let's have an open conversation. And Mm. she made a really valid point that she doesn't want to listen to music that's triggering. She doesn't want to listen to our music being linked to trauma. She doesn't want trauma music. She wants to be, which is like, I heard her, she went, she went on and on about it. And I was Mm -hmm. there and I was like, wow, this is a good point. That's true. I, I even the last record that he dropped, um, I do feel like it's a lot of sh- shock factor in it, mm-hmm. and like there was like one skit where. Oh like, yeah, and that that's the song we were talking about. Really, was it that skit? That's the song. Yes. Yeah. Oh God, what's the name of that song? Um, yeah. Uh, we cry together. 
Mm-hmm. That one mm-hmm. where the two, the couple is going back and the forth. The couple is going just back ripping and Ripping each other back apart. Ripping each other back. And, yeah. And I understand that that's not for everyone. It's not for everyone. You know, and I think that some people like to be able to connect, like having music that or art that reminds them of their trauma, makes them feel like they're not alone. You know, like, wow, mm-hmm. like this is an experience that others are going through. It makes people feel seen and safe. And there are others that is triggering and like, they do not want to hear it. It makes them uncomfortable. And I understand that too. Yeah. Know? And it also reminds me why Beyonce is such a huge figure for black women because like her overall her overarching message is always like empowerment positivity we're great we're great we're great but some of the reasons why i've sort of not connected with beyonce sometimes is because it it felt dishonest and like Mm. oh that reminds oh that reminds me of the whole thing that happened with khalees yes and that's why I was like, dang, Khalees. I mean, honestly, bruh, like, I don't hear the Khalees track in it. And I listened to it over and over again to try to hear what Khalees was saying. And I don't hear it. Um, but I think that her point was a bigger point than that. Um, yeah, so I did. I give personally, her I did. I did hear it. I did hear um, Milkshake in there, you know, and it's. I, I almost think what happened, if I were to speculate, I think what happened was that, you know, Beyonce's team went to go clear the rights and Mm -hmm. the rights got cleared, but Khalees didn't know about it because she doesn't own the rights. Well, it's not only about her. Sorry, sorry. What did you hear in the original? Was it Khalees' voice, her lyrics, or the beat? It was... It was the beat and the la and the la la's. Beyonce is saying la la. I thought what? Well, I, I didn't gotta go back. I heard. I, I maybe it, you know what? It probably is the just the beat. I think it was just the beat, and that's the the reason why I decided to start producing myself. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, when you are at the mercy of a producer, their sounds are their sounds. Every Pharrell song sound the same. <laughs> no, and but I think but the, where Khalees was coming from, the split was supposed to be 33-33-33. So everyone was supposed to own that song together. And it wasn't more for Khalees, it was revisiting that trauma and she felt like she should have been informed about it. But but this is why I say that Beyonce probably just had her team clear the song and she didn't own the rights, so she didn't find that out. But I know there's also other instances of Beyonce taking, um, taking advantage of musicians work in that way but i do know that like if a producer produced a track they're not going to split that with someone that had no parts in the hands-on production i'm not doubting that khalees wrote lyrics and melodies but when it comes to like Mm -hmm. sounds and producing of the track like i i have yet to know people who are willing but that part yeah that part we don't we don't know what happened in the creative process too or the, I just know I feel I feel for Khalees. I really do because she got caught up in a shitty deal. But at the end of the day, what does Beyonce have to do with that? Too. Yeah. So yeah. I just I mean, it just sucks that Khalees got caught got caught in the shitty deal. 
in general because I, I love her and I love Beyonce. I think that it's so important for artists now moving forward to really do their homework. We all know you have to do your homework about your contracts, but even it's even more than like the contract. It's like, what is the legacy and the history of whoever you're signing this contract? What is their word? Like, how do they abide? How do they interact with contracts? Like, who are these people? Mm, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. we just are just excited to like, get the cosign from these institutions and okay maybe the contract said something in big print but maybe there's cold words sometimes you have a lawyer and certain things the lawyer don't even think to raise that point to you you know it's really um even though we know so much now about how these industries work yeah it's still easy that was a different time it's still it was a easy, different time though. but it's still easy now you still know still easy because and you know what the other thing is everybody's schedules are so crazy and you're moving so fast that you don't have time to sit and read through every single thing. So you get the contract put in front of you and it's up to you to really like, is it important for you to sit and read it? Do you have the time to sit and read it? Do you know what like sections in your contract that you need to pay close attention to and what language does that look like? You know, the exclusivity clauses, that's always a thing. Compensation is like the easiest one, but then there's rights. But the way, the way, sorry to cut you off, Mm -hmm. but the way that these deals are looking, it's like, honestly, the best way is to not even fuck with these labels and see how you can make money and fund your own projects. Mm -hmm. Like that, that, yeah, I've looked at some label contracts through my through my brother mm-hmm. and not necessarily him being on the on the label but him being an artist featured and I went in there and I like cross I was like oh circle this like you, you got to pay attention to this language because this is where you're talking about ownership there's percentages involved what do you want what do you where do you want your ages agency in here how much do you think is fair to own look at the sync licensing What's the deal with the sync licensing? Pub, like what's the clause that, it, that talks about publishing? Like those are the things that you need to look at. And yeah. to go back to, to what you were just saying, and sorry to cut you off there, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that's yeah. why being independent mm-hmm. is where it's at. But also yeah. you don't wanna miss out on opportunities to put you in spaces that you may not have been able to, to be put in yourself. So it's a, it's a fine, funky line. Yeah, and it really is everyone, each, artist has a different relationship with their own personal team and with the label so like one person with a label versus another person's deal with the label could could be totally different with the same label two different artists two totally different deals and you have to really know why you want to align with this label this art artist Mm. that we know hit me up and she was like hey mel like I've been trying to get signed to this label and I've been chasing them down and this person was supposed to hook me up and it's not working out. Like, how did you get your deal? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Before we get even that, why are you trying to get signed to this label? Especially when we're talking about these jazz legacy labels. They're operating in these models that are just not sustainable. How are artists supposed to survive with these kinds of numbers and these kinds of deals? It's like what 
You're talking about streams. Everybody know, unless you are Taylor Swift, streams ain't really going to do nothing for you. Streams, so you don't get paid off of streams. So right? how label am I wrong? Am I right or no? You get, you get point, like 0.1 cents. Yeah, exactly. You streams are just a form of, of promotion. Unless you're getting like crazy numbers exactly. and there's only a small percentage of people that are in that category. So, you know, there's a lot of things. If I knew what I knew now, then I probably would have moved different. And I'm still working things out with my label. But if y'all stay tuned, I'll be dropping some more tea about personally my experience. Mm, um, that's cool right there, know. Mel. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep, I'm going to try to stay type lip for now, but stay tuned. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I think it's it's coming down to time for us to close. But what oh, I did have, but I did have one one I wanted to ask you about. Mm-hmm. You know, you you've been on a couple of festivals this summer. Yes, yes, that's you why we go back to festival conversation. Yeah. So you you've been on. You were on Newport. You were on North Sea. Um, those are like the two joggers. Oh, and and um, Montreal. And Montreal Jazz Fest. Those three are like some juggernaut festivals. So first of all, yeah. congratulations. Thank you headline you. As, as yourself. Yeah, thanks. I got to give you your flowers. Do I have a flower? Thank I have you. a lot of plants here, but <laughs> I give you your you. flowers. Smells <laughs> good. Thank you. Thank you, Uni. <laughs> I feel yes. like Nori right now on Drink Champs. <laughs> Where's your drink though? We sober for today's episode. Next episode, we're going to have some drinks, y'all. Yeah, we're going to have some it. drinks on this. <laughs> but I, my question is, um, who were on, who... There was who were you headlining the festival with you and like who did you connect with the most that like may have surprised you or what or if that if you can't answer that question what did surprise you when you were there good or bad um well um i think the biggest thing about th- those three festivals in particular is how international they are and mm. how it's an opportunity to run into friends that you that you may have made when you you've been in totally opposite parts of the world yeah um and this interesting it's a bit of like oh community family and a bit of tokenism for example every festival season there are certain acts that are like in every festival because they're like the token whatever band or the token trumpet player and to me that's a little corny but there's also an element of like this is the circuit and like if you are the ones that have really proven and shown and proven that you have a track record and you can deliver an exciting set then like people in Montreal, people in Berlin, people in North Sea should have the opportunity to experience your set. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like a mixture of that. So I ran into my Sons of Kemet family. Um, I I had the opportunity to tour with them, open up for them. And they were at Newport. That was really cool. Um, They were also at at, um, North Sea. Also, Erica Badu was at North Sea. I, I think that was the highlight of, of checking wow. out North Jazz Fest her. for me. I yeah, I love her so much. And I've never, I've seen her in, I can't remember the name of the band, the project where she had the different producers and they all just had their pads and she would just like have her set up too. Ooh. I saw that a few years ago and that was amazing. And then I saw her do her DJ set. But this year at North Sea, she had a full band, four backup vocalists, 
and her spaceship with her like sounds and she was yes her vocals were the best i've ever heard her live you know even in videos that may have heard over the years she's really in good form um her her projections like the set design was simple yet very futuristic Mm -hmm. um and so that show was the day before i did my set um so that was really inspiring to see that before did you get a chance to connect with her at all or no I was like, I'm not even going to try because I know everybody on try to, I was like, I need to go to my hotel and rest and get ready for this. Right, right, right. You know, there's a lot of controversy too with the jazz scene about, you know, somebody like Erica Badu being on a jazz festival. But, you know, I think the thing about the Newport Jazz Fest is that it isn't, it, it, it is it, or North isn't, Sea. North Sea. North Sea. Well, I said Newport. Mm-hmm. North Sea isn't necessarily a jazz festival in its purest sense. Mm. I feel like Newport Jazz Fest is really a jazz festival, but it's not just a traditional jazz. They're open to the whole spectrum of jazz, the trill jazz to the- I I personally love that. There are some jazz police out here who who do not, you know, I'm going to embrace it. The jazz police going to be coming for us on this podcast. That's fine. And that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. You know, and it's so interesting. That's how I know I'm, I'm getting older is that like my view on the jazz police and the elite has sort of shifted because now I feel like I used is- to be the jazz police. <laughs> you used to be. The I used to be the jazz police. Yes. Ooh. And I'm, an- I'm annoyed with my former self. Ooh. <laughs> that's a hot take mm-hmm. but i feel like you were doing a job that needed to be done I, yeah i was i had to be the jazz police but but it was also part of like how i learned the music too yeah i mean and i think that you were part of a space where they're trying to preserve this legacy of excellence and sort of like this certain standard of things. Like there's another um, p- pianist and podcaster, I think Peter Martin, I'm not sure if his name is, is it Peter Martin? Yes, yeah, yep. video. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about that and I was like, okay, Peter, because at first I'm like, what this white man got to say? But like <laughs> he was <laughs> But if, if y'all don't know, Peter Martin is Diane Reeves, right? He's Diane Reeves. Isn't oh, he? I didn't. I didn't realize he's he's Diane Reeves' pianist. Is he? He is. We need he to is. have him as a guest on our podcast. That would be fun. That would be fun. So, Peter, if you're listening, we want you to come sit with the Trill Girls over mm-hmm. here. But one thing he said, and I think we should do a reaction episode to his episode. He was talking about like controversies in jazz and how there's like this like idea that in order to be a great jazz pianist you need to be able to play um stride piano stride piano and know all there is to know about jazz piano and he was like i actually disagree with that and i was like oh what? he was like yeah because like he he's like i personally know incredible pianists who do not come out necessarily out of the stride piano school that are really great innovators and have created their own voices in jazz Mm -hmm. um so i think that newport jazz fest sort of like understands that but one thing i wanted to say about christian mcbride's position do you realize that he is filling in he, he continued the legacy of what's the guy's name um 
Oh, is it God. George Ween? Yes, George Ween. Bingo, right? Yes, and so, uh, Peter Martin. Yes, that is true. That he is Diane Reeves' pianist. pianist. So yes, and, um, and yes, yeah. So I feel like we need to do a whole other. We need to do a part two of this because we're getting juicy. But I think that you know Christian McBride. So I told Christian because I real because I was like the night before we performed at Newport. I was like, all right. We all know about Newport Jazz Fest, Historic Jazz Festival, Louis Armstrong, like all, mm-hmm. like all of the legends have performed. From Mingus to Duke Ellington to Ella Fitzgerald, Frank Sinatra, um, all of them. Did I say Charles Mingus already? Oh, Nancy Wilson. There's like so many. Every jazz icon miles davis has performed at newport jazz festival has rec- made albums and records right live newport at newport jazz. Jazz. yes exactly so i'm like let but let me look deeper like let me like who who thought who made up this festival da, 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 right so first of all i discovered first of all how where the festival was happening how there was so many racial struggles in the community because like the night that we got in there i felt uncomfortable and i'm like hmm this feels like I felt unwelcome in a lot of the spaces, like in when the you got into Newport. Well, it is we got it is a little bit of a okay. You got to think about the location. The location is Newport, Rhode Island. It's next you to gotta a go slave through. port. It's it's it a white town. Was, it's a white town. It's a white and town. It's near a, a, a what used to be a slave port. It's a predominantly so white town. It's a predominantly white town. So the history of Newport is that it was always a struggle for the black artists that were performing to the point where, um, what's his name that has Rasan Roland Kirk created a festival down the street with um, Max Roach. Was it Tony, or was it Tony Williams? Either it was Tony Williams or Max Roach. I have to, it was Max Roach. They did their own festival down the street as a revolt to Newport. And they had Mingus at the festival as well. And even though Mingus performed at Newport, I'm not sure if the Mingus performing at Newport was before or after this like rebel festival that Rassam Roland Kirk did. But the point of me bringing this up is to show that this festival is rooted in racial um, difficulties, but like mm-hmm. it's also been a space where musicians were used it as a as a space to like send out a message. And I believe that year that Max Roach did that festival was probably the, a year or two before he did the Freedom Now Suite. Ooh, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. And then, so I was like, so I was telling Christian, so I was like, yo, I just did my research of the depth and the history of how this went. And he was like, yeah, like literally, he's like, George Ween hit me up and was like, I'm getting old. I can't do this anymore. And I believe that you can continue on this festival and like- And the legacy of it. And the legacy mm-hmm. of this. And literally Christian McBride is, I can see him. He's being very intentional about making spaces for artists that are interested in pushing the envelope of jazz, as well as making a space to preserve those who are rooted in the classic sense of jazz. Yeah. So once again, shout out to Christian McBride yes. for, for that, you know? Ooh, for carrying the mm-hmm. bearing the torch. Yeah. And, so that, and can- he's not he's not a jazz policer either. He's not just, but but he can he can hang with the best of them. 
But yeah. hello, mm-hmm. right? Like he's like. But yeah, I thought yeah, he's not. And the reason why I say he's not a jazz policer, police officer, <laughs> is because is because he's doesn't cast judgment. And to me, yeah. someone who's in the jazz pol- police is someone who casts judgment. Yeah. Or, but I don't know if it's cast. In in addition to casting judgment, in I would addition. say they're also people who are afraid of change Mm. but if you think if you think about it all of the even in basketball I was watching that you you remember that brawl that happened with um the Pistons versus I can't remember what the other team was and they ended up getting into a fight this was like a huge thing and like these three young kids oh the Indian the Indiana Pacers the Malice at the Palace the malice at the palace. Mm-hmm. I finally watched that documentary because I knew Ow. of it, but I didn't know the ins Ooh. and outs. Yeah. But um, Reggie was really disappointed because these young kids had just joined the team. And he was like, I was like, he was like, I wasn't really trying to play that hard. I was like interested in mentoring these young kids and having them really do all the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was very progressive of him. And I feel like people like Miles Davis and, and, um, and um, Betty Carter were musicians that were very intentional about bringing in the young people. Yeah, and you know what? I had, there's a saxophonist that I had, I had a conversation with with him. He had performed at um, Harlem Stage this past spring. His name is Rakeem Walker, plays mm-hmm. alto. Um, he mostly plays like hip hop and R&B and writes and arranges and does all, and does all of that for that for hip hop and R&B but he uh-huh. has a big foundation in jazz and he told me that his mentor was Max Roach and wow. he told me that Max Roach took him aside and said hey listen you know you're trying to play this music you're trying to play jazz but you need to look and search for your music your generation's music you need to play yeah. your music your music yeah. is hip hop your your is that's your generation so he's and at that so at that time in like the 90s that he already understood that he already understood that he was like we already did this so like lean into lean into what you're trying to do and who you who you are don't try to be us so that that's when he told me that i was like wow the elders told him that the elder but it's not every elder it's It's the ones that are out that have really been trailblazers yeah there's yeah and there's multiple different um perceptions and pedagogy pedagogies and thought um thought and philosophies on this and it's like really at the end of the day i am a believer that you gotta be true to yourself if you are true to like if what speaks to you is to play music in a certain way in in the jazz tradition lean into that there's space Mm -hmm. for you there's space for everyone here yeah and just as long as you're true to yourself and you're not trying to be anybody else because everybody's taken you know that then just do that and people can hear it you're Mm -hmm. right uni like people can hear when it's contrived when it's performative um when you're pandering you're never going to really win, not in the long term. Um, so, you know, I think, I guess in closing of festival season, I think that we all, the pandemic really 
made people reconsider their relationships to live music experiences, both mm. as listeners and as performers. And I think that this festival season was a very, we were all so grateful to be there, performers and audience alike. There was a huge energy of like gratitude and like, you know that meme, that meme, there's like, or a gif of this guy, he's like, look at us. Yeah, look at us. Do you know? Do you know what? Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I mean, you gotta send that to me. DM, DM it to me. No, I don't but know. if that's the audience and the musician, that's what we was doing with each other. We were like, "Look at us, guys. We're here at the festival." Like everybody was just feeling like we made it. You know, there's there are some festivals out um, still happening. You know, August is coming to a close, and the mm. summer's starting to close out. Yeah. There's like summer stage is still out here. Charlie Parker Jazz still Festival. Kicking. That's mm-hmm. free. If you want to go and check that out, you still got a mm-hmm. chance. If this episode is inspiring you to to go see and support some live music, you can still do that. The festivals are still in full force right now. Yep. Um, Montclair Jazz Festival is, is is also closing out with a big bang. They're taking over the entire Bloomfield Avenue, Montclair mm. Road. And that's going to be a whole that's I believe that I think that's September 10th okay and then this weekend August August 26 and 27th and is Charlie Parker I don't know if this episode will come out in time but if it well we should just make it come out in time let's just make it come out in time so (laughs) hopefully you you can hear you'll hear this and you can still catch catch the the festival but if anything there's still September 10th this is September 10th. Also, another plug. September 18th, I'll be at Jazz is Dead in Los Angeles with my band. We were able to open up with, for Sons of Kemet there a few months ago, and we killed it so much. They asked me to come back with my own band, with my full band. Ooh, so September wait, 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 18th, where is if, you're in, if you're in Los Angeles, it's going to be at the Lodge Room. Um, I'm going to be with Zacchaeus Paul on keys, um, Jonathan Michelle on bass, Sa- uh, Ruthie Price on drums, um, and my little brother Raji is going to be flying out to play with me. So if you're in LA, get your ticket, support your girl. I need it to be packed. I don't want to be embarrassed. So I need y'all, if you're listening, to buy your tickets now. Mm, yes, do it. I also, <laughs> I also got to do a shameless plug. Harlem yes. State. Uh, we're opening up our 2023-2022-2023 season, and we're going to be highlighting Joel Ross and his Ooh. project Being a Young Black Man. So that's going to be two mm. nights, September 16th to 17th at 730. You can catch it. There's not one night, but two nights, which is Great. which is new for us. So mm. go Pete Joel Ross. Incredible vibe for us. Mm-hmm. absolutely incredible i think tavon pentecost is playing tenor too ah, tavon! yeah yes. it's gonna be it's gonna be dope, dope it's gonna be dope dope no yes. well thank you everybody for listening to us for telling your friends please stay tuned for the next time we drop an episode one last time i am your host melanie charles and i'm your host uni mojica and whatever you do Remember to make jazz trail again. again. (laughs) 
it's harder to get that right when you're when you're virtual. Wait, right, right. <laughs> we're trying to go slow to be with each other. <laughs> Big Jess Shogun. <Right>. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thanks. Love you. Follow us. Peace.